0: Hey, this is Adam Cruz, owner-broker of the Herman London Real Estate Group and host of the St. Louis Realtor Podcast.
1: And this is Shannon St. Pierre, a Realtor at Herman London and co-host of the St. Louis Realtor Podcast.
0: Before we begin, we just want to say that we are Realtors, which is different from someone who is simply an agent. The term Realtor identifies a real estate professional who is a member of the National Association of Realtors and subscribes to its strict code of ethics.
1: And even though it's called the St. Louis Realtor Podcast, this show is for everyone who's interested in real estate. Buyers, sellers, realtors, HGTV watchers, everyone.
0: So if this specific episode isn't exactly what you're looking for, go through our past episodes and I guarantee you'll find a topic that interests you.
1: And if there's a topic you want us to cover, email us at podcast at hermanlondon.com. That's Herman, H-E-R-M-A-N-N, london.com. And we'll talk about it on an upcoming episode.
0: Thanks for listening and enjoy.
1: From the rooftop
2: of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with Adam Cruz and Shannon St. Pierre.
0: Well, welcome everybody to the St. Louis Realtor Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Cruz, here with my co-host, Shannon St. Pierre. Hello. Thanks to COVID, we're still doing these from our homes. We are super excited today because we have Sam here from ServPro. Pro. And Sam, today, you know, what we want to talk about is all about biohazard cleanup and interesting and any other interesting things, I guess, that ServPro does. Just to give a quick intro, a few months ago, one of our realtors, she used ServPro for a biohazard cleanup and she was kind of telling us about it and we thought it was really interesting. And so we thought, you know, this is my first time and I many fifteen years or whatever having to deal with something like that. Uh you know, someone was deceased in the property. And um uh,
1: Which is I good don't think thing most people, it's a good thing.
0: What's a good thing? That I haven't, haven't had to deal, had with, to it? deal with
1: it. If, oh. yeah. Up to this point. Yeah. Up to this. Yeah. Point, not that the guy was deceased, but it's a
0: good it. thing that I haven't had to deal with it. Right. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> thing that we haven't had to deal with it, but we didn't, you know, we didn't really know what to do. And and hopefully it doesn't happen to many people, but what are you supposed to do? Actually, right after that, um, we had another instance where um, a tenant died in one of our properties that we manage. And so there was no biohazard cleanup in that situation. But we know Sam, we wanted to have you on to kind of learn about all this stuff and interview you and talk about it. and <laughs> and Shannon is super interested in this because she said her favorite TV channel is ID.
1: ID channel. Uh, So Sam, do you like watch that stuff and go, oh my gosh, like, do you, it's what you do.
2: I like to watch it just because I'm one of those strange people that for some, for some reason, if I'm watching TV, I have to watch something that I feel like I'm going to get something out of. So a lot of times I'll actually watch hoarders or shows like that just because the things that I've run into in real life. And it sounds funny, but those people are actually professionals on TV and they actually do have good advice about things. And when you're going into situations like this, it's you can take a thousand classes, you can read a thousand books, but the guys that are out there doing it every day and the guys that are actually cleaning things and dealing with the smell while they're trying to think and and figure out how to do things and all the different components coming at you at once, those are the people that I like to see at work. So you find them on ID. You find them on strange TV shows that people don't like to watch.
1: (laughs) That is interesting. I just watched a uh, show of hoarders this past weekend or something. um, And I haven't watched that show in so long. And I actually did learn a few things from it in terms of um, some of the, not just the, the known and obvious hazards, but, uh, you know, some of the diseases that can happen just from rat droppings, just accumulating in an area. Let
0: right. me, uh, if you don't mind, let's take a step back and just kind of intro <laughs> Sam. Here. We're just excited don't to jump do. into it, but let's intro Sam. Sam, tell us a little about yourself. What's your role at Pro? Kind of tell us a little bit about SurvePro. My name's Sam
2: Baer. I work for the uh Pro of Northwest St. Louis County.
0: We actually own
2: Pro of Oakville, Melville, Afton Webster Groves, Clayton and Ladue, and Northwest St. Louis County. We're the largest okay. surf pro in the area. Um, I began my career actually as a entry-level worker about six years ago. I started out as a technician helping somebody clean carpet, and then moved into cleaning carpet, moved into fire and water restoration, moved into biohazard and mold remediation, moved into project management, uh, and now I'm actually business development for all four of our franchises.
0: Wow. Uh, I guess uh, when it came to COVID, you guys had plenty of masks and stuff on stock. You guys were like the most prepared. Probably. So we
2: were, but there was really no way to prepare for this, unfortunately. I mean, no matter how many masks we have, you're going to have fellow surf pros that need things. Or, you know, even if you're not a surf pro, we kind of all work together in the restoration industry. It's it's a contract connection that we talk about. And, we, we may have a lot of things, but we don't have anywhere to get it afterwards. So, and even if we can, we have to get it from a truck driver that has to deliver it across the United States that, God forbid, is still working and stuff. You know, it's just nobody really has, unless you got a bunch of 55-gallon drums and hand sanitizer, nobody really has anything that's going to protect us for the longevity of what, what's going to happen here.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we want to kind of focus on the biohazard cleanup stuff today, but can you tell us a little bit, just an overview of what ServPro does in general? Because it seems like on your website, you handle mold and all sorts of other stuff.
2: So ServPro is an emergency response contractor. Um, We will come out for any type of water in your home. Um, If there's a fire, any smoke damage, cigarette smells in your home, uh, we will step into carpet cleaning. If your home catches on fire, we will go in and, hand pack out every single item of your home, put barcodes on it, take photos of it, categorize it, and store it for you um for months. Even if it takes five months, ten months, you know, a year and a half to rebuild your product, we have the facilities that we can store basically whole homes inside of our warehouse inside of vaults. Wow. Um the bioremediation side is uh it's 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 a side that if you want to get into it you get into it nobody's ever forced to do anything like that um, most of the time it, it's a lucrative industry and once you start seeing things and doing things in a weird way you like to do it or you don't like to do it it's it's something where you can you can turn off the blood guts and gore and and get through the day or the first time you go out you know you're never going to do this again
0: there's no one which side are you on sam i'll do it every day all day, okay. every day.
1: It's got to okay. take a really special person, though. I mean, just like a, a anyone that deals with, you know, some of those more sensitive issues of our society that, I mean, are you taking it home every night and it weighing on your shoulders? So it's got it. And, and this is that next step. This isn't just, you know, the cop dealing with the situation. This is the cleanup.
2: I try to treat myself the same way as any first responder. Uh, they have given me a lot of insight on how to handle these things. And when I come home and I take my uniform off, I take my day off. I, I do not, at the end of the day, it, when I leave Serapro and I get inside of my house and I take my Serapro uniform off, I have to click out of everything. I, you, I can't cross over personal life at work in any way, shape or form, not even just because of the biohazard, but I throw away baby books. I throw away wedding dresses. I throw away high school memorabilia. I throw away... Everything you keep in your home, you keep in your basement. And if your sewer backs up in your basement, not even a biohazard incident, you're going to throw everything away. So I have to be the guy like on those order shows that I I have to be stern. I have to explain to them that this is for your health. You have children in the home, you have pets in the home. You, you can't do it. Um, if there's children's and children in the home and, and it's an uncomfortable situation, there's been times where we've refused jobs, um, Simply because when we go to leave, I'm not going to leave a house in a condition that my mother or my grandmother or, or I wouldn't feel safe with any of my family members in. And, and some of these companies out here will do that. They just want to collect the small amounts of money. Um, we want to do things right. I'd rather not make money if I'm going to do it wrong. I'd rather make it the right way or not make it at all. And I'm, I'm completely honest when I say that because I have to go to bed and sleep at night.
1: So the way you handle it is like, is that you're doing it right. You're leaving it any home behind in a condition that you're, you would leave your child in your mother, your grandmother. So the way you look at yourself and the way you carry are able to get through it is that you're knowing that you're turning something back over in a condition that's absolutely acceptable.
2: Yes. And sometimes the family members aren't even allowed in the home. Um, I've had, I've been woken up at two o'clock in the morning by the police um, to come to homes that uh, the family members were outside and the police told them it was in their best interest to not go inside. Um, we would sign paperwork and begin cleaning things up off the of photos uh, that we could walk back out of the home and and show the homeowner just so they had a general concept of what had went on inside the home. But sometimes, I mean, there's blood and there's guts and there's gore and there's there's things that If you lose a family member, you, I don't feel like you should have to go into the home of your family member that passes away and look at their body before you can get somebody to come clean it up. That's just not right. You You should be able to get help at any time. If if you have a homeowner's insurance policy, most accidental deaths or anything else in the home are covered under the homeowner's insurance. And if not, it doesn't hurt to call and ask. Just find out what your deductible is. It's it sounds bad, but it's it's just the same as a tree falling on your home or your home catching on fire. This is what we have insurance for. This is what we, we pay to insure our homes for, you know. This is what, what separates people from people that just occupy dwellings and, and have no right or no passage there, you know.
0: What does the term biohazard specifically refer to?
2: Biohazard is going to be most of the time you're traumatizing cleanups. It's cleaning, sanitizing, deodorizing after any violent crime or a death in the home that has not
0: been found. So biohazard is anything kind of like human related. It's not like if there's sewer backup, that's not considered biohazard. Biohazard is is it mainly like kind of suicides or like deaths that happen that have, have been sitting there for a while and stuff like that?
2: It's when you're handling, you're worrying more about handling materials because of bloodborne pathogens um, and other things. If you have a sewer backup, if feces goes down your drain, it's been down your drain, it's been mixed into a sanitation line, and it's it's contaminated. But necessarily calling it biohazard is hard, um, and a lot of times it's because the insurance company writes, you know, what they're going to code something as a. Uh, a family member that's found deceased has to be put in as a certain way. You can't say that, that if, if a little sewer backs up in a basement, the concrete's got to be drilled out. But if somebody passes away in the basement and there's a large amount of blood on the concrete, you'll, you'll chip out the concrete. You will remove everything that the blood touches. Uh, blood has. So you'd
1: actually have to chip out concrete? You can't clean and sanitize concrete? I mean, we think of concrete as the most solid surface.
2: Not like carpet, has,
1: wood, even?
2: So concrete's a very porous surface. It has a little itty-bitty... Um, whenever you pour concrete, yeah. think about you're going to put a large amount of liquid down onto something and it's going to push all the air back up to the top. So you're going to have little itty-bitty air bubbles in the top of all of it. They're going to be very, very small. Whenever you get blood on any concrete, that blood's going to go inside of those little holes. And six months later, you can clean that blood off the concrete, but you're going to have a smell because blood has protein in it. Bacteria mm. lives off of protein. So all the bacteria anywhere in the home, if it gets past, moved, or comes anywhere near that, it's going to be attracted to it. And that's what you're going to get your smell from. You have to suffocate the bacteria in your sanitization process. If you just try to kill the bacteria, a lot of times what happens is if you don't kill it all the way, it's going to come back twice as strong because it already knows what you're fighting against it with. It's just like a human body is. It's going to build immunities to things the worst thing you can do is put bleach on something and not kill all of it because bleach is the strongest. And once something learns how to fight back against bleach and still lives, there's a lot of things I can put on it, but it's going to take a lot of things to fight back now. So if you remove the concrete, you're removing any blood, any protein from inside of that layer of the concrete. Now it's concrete. It's solid. You're not going to be, don't, don't think you're going to be removing six inches down on your concrete or something You know, a lot of the times you use a hammer chisel and it'll have a a nice blade on it. You can kind of chip along the surface to take it out. Um, Just like if you had a tile floor, you would definitely want to chip up any of the tile because your grout is supposed to be perfect and they claim your grout's a sealant, but everybody knows grout breaks away and peels over time. So if you get a little bit of blood that seeps underneath the tile, and if it's tile, it's probably a kitchen, honestly, and and you start to smell that, you're going to know. When it comes to biohazard remediation, if you mess up and you don't do it right, the homeowner's going to know. There's no way around it. There's too many smells. There's too many different things. Um, I've done jobs before where, you know, you, you got to find all the teeth. Um, I mean, it gets extensive into things. And that goes back to the being my mother or my grandmother's home. If somebody passed away inside of a home and, and I don't find a tooth, and that woman comes walking upstairs and finds that I, I might as well quit. Why, why am I here? You know, there's a lot of detail that you have to pay attention to and you have to handle everybody with care. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't mean to make it sound so intense. It's just.
1: But this right, is, this is exactly what we never thought. of, right?
2: Yeah. I'm
1: so we said if, if you don't find a body in time, What's in time? So, if someone dies in a house, how long do you have to discover them before they become a biohazard?
2: You want to find them day one. Um, every ideally,
1: yeah. Have to think otherwise. I got that, but
2: finding them within a week or within a day is your best. Uh, sometimes they sit for months. Um, sometimes, depending on the weather, uh, I've I've had incidents where uh, people pass away in a garage and it was the middle of the winter. And if it's the middle of the winter and you're in a garage, you're not going to, there's not going to be smells. You're not going to know. And then three months later, a family member comes over and goes to see where they're at. and doesn't see them, goes to check the garage to see if the car's in there and, and they're deceased in the garage and have been there for three months. Um, your, your body, your skin starts to thin, your body starts to change over time. The longer it takes to find someone after they're deceased, or the longer it takes for a biohazard situation, the more expensive that it gets. Um, if you pass away on the main level of your home and, and there's blood involved, it's going to soak into the flooring material on that floor. Now, a couple weeks later, it's going to drip down into the basement. A couple weeks later, you're going to run into chipping out the concrete it's the longer it's there, the longer it can soak in is the more expensive these projects get.
0: You know, I called our, like our attorney representative to ask about the sort of the laws around realtors listing properties for sale and whether they have to disclose whether there was a death in the property or not. Um, what would you say are some laws and regulations around this biohazard cleanup? I actually only know about
2: the laws that govern, um, typically our staff, uh,
0: yeah. So tell us about some of those, I guess.
2: So my guys all have safety training. There's different companies you can go to to get that safety training. I personally saw mine from a company called the Um They are, I believe, based out of Texas. You, There's so many laws and rules as far as what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. What you're allowed to do as a realtor and what you're not allowed to do, what the police are allowed to do that I've... Only mainly focused on my rules. Um, I figured it was best to to get my rules and my laws down because I'm not there afterwards. So I'm not there when the bill's paid. I'm not there when the flooring's put back in. I'm not there when the house is put back on the market. I see nothing further than the mitigation portion of the project. So I don't even know if if it's disclosed afterwards um, that that there was a death in the home. Um, I don't know any laws, unfortunately, about that, Um, just because I'm usually doing the next one by the time they're selling the next home.
0: For example, we just had a house burned down. And then we have to, just before we tear the house down, we're having to wait for it to be released from the insurance company and from the county. And is it similar? Like if someone comes and they find a dead body, I can't imagine how terrible that situation would be. First step, I guess they call the police, and yes. then if it's their house, do they call insurance, and then insurance calls you, or and then you can't go in until the police like release the scene, I would presume. So once What's the police the
2: we usually will get called once the police remove the body. Um, we can't do anything in the home until it's been cleared. As you know, sometimes we'll go in and they'll be caution tape across a certain area of the home where they're going to do an investigation, but we needed to get to work right away. Um, you can call us first. Um, we will, I, I will meet anyone at any time. And if they tell me, Hey, I have a $500 insurance deductible. I can tell you exactly what I can do for that $500 right now to get you into the best shape so that we can file an insurance claim tomorrow. We're sir has multiple franchises all over the country, but we're all independently owned and operated. Uh, my Sir Pro owner is from St. Louis, born and raised. Um, he is involved in everything that we do. When I first started, he was out on jobs training me, getting involved with every project. He will go out of town to fight the hurricane relief and, and everything. So that's, that's, we can work with anyone to do anything. And we're in direct contact with each other at all times. This isn't a one 800 system. This is us. We're, we're local. I was born and raised in South St. Louis. My boss is from Melville. My, my general manager's from Melville. There's not a single out of towner here. We just take care of our city. That's
0: all we know how to do. <laughs> how long can biohazard sit before you have to rip out the wood floor? Is that you're saying just a day maybe?
1: you have
2: to rip out the floor.
0: So if You like, have to
1: rip out the floor. There's not a lot of option. When it if comes more to than like a hazard. teaspoon
0: of blood falls on the floor, you need to be ripping it out.
2: No, if it's a small amount of blood that, that immediately spattered on the floor, then it's, it's a different situation. But if you come into a home and you're not exactly sure how long the, the deceased has been there and you look at that floor, you can look at hardwood floor and, I I say you can because it's something that I I do a lot, but you can look at a hardwood floor sometimes and see the the distance in between the plats, the wood. If the wood is old, if there's been some slight water damage, if there's cupping, if there's bowing, all those things are taken into account. And if any of those water damage signs are there from previous, then you know that there's a penetration point that the blood can get in between the floor. Um, What you can do is you can also go down in the floor below if you have the ability to and look at the subfloor. If you start to see a staining down in the basement underneath your hardwood floor and you got hardwood floor here and then the plywood there, if it's already in the plywood, the hardwood floor has to go. Um, You're going to try to stain it or do anything in the world, but blood's got a hard time coming out of things. Um, If you did get it out of wood, you would um, more than likely have to sand and refinish all of the wood anyway. So one of the things that you would take into account is, is it a continuous floor throughout the same level? Or is there a line of sight that we can cut this off at a certain point? You know, uh, most insurance companies, if you're going to pull out a hardwood floor, what we would do is we would cut a five inch long strip of it. And we mail it to a company. Uh, they're called Itel, And Itel can take a sample of any flooring. They can detect the grade of it, the thickness of it, the colors of it, and it'll search all the United States to see if they can get it anywhere. And if they can't get it, that's how they can make the determination to replace the flooring or not. But if they can get it out of a factory and it's it's feasible, it's just your cost of repair or replace. But there are companies that do that for hardwood floor, for carpet, um, tile. I've sent out samples of um, base molding in commercial building projects just because they had 15 floors of the same base molding and and we removed 10 feet of it and, and they couldn't find it. So replacement is always an option. It's just, is it what's, what's going to, what's going to save you more money in the long run. If someone's deceased in a home, you want to, you want to get that home back to regular and sell it. Most of the time, a lot of people don't want to live in a deceased family member's home. Um, You have a complete opposite side of that though, that if, if a mother and a father live in a home and a child's deceased, some of them never want to leave. Some of them, want the bedroom to look exactly the same. It was when it came before this happened, you know, it's everyone's different. Uh, you just have to have a heart. I know it sounds crazy and I know it sounds cheesy, but you just have to listen to people. You're you're dealing with probably the most complicated situation they've ever been in that they've never even wanted to deal with before. If I go in and tell them you have to do this, this and this and this, they're going to tell me to go home. You know, everybody wants to try to do things themselves, but you get four hours into a cleaning project and realize that, you know, your, your attachment your connection to this person, you can call somebody then, but you can't get those four hours there. You know, that's, that's your last four hours with a family member. You don't want those, those last couple hours to be, you fighting and trying to clean, you know, you should have time to mourn. You should have time to, to hug your family and, and I'll put on a suit and I'll put on a respirator, put on gloves. I'll, put the whole shoot on like ETs in there and I'll take care of everything for you.
0: That's why we're here. Yeah. Um, kind of a weird question is blood, the worst like thing that comes out of a body or stomach bile or something like that. Or what's the worst thing? Without going into detail. <laughs> um,
2: uh, when you pass away, you lose muscle tension. So Anything that constricts in your body, anything that holds anything in in your body, doesn't hold anything in in your body anymore. So anything in your bowels, anything in your bladder, anything there's there's no muscle constriction or tightness, and
0: that's worse uh, than blood. That's worse than blood mm-hmm. for like for it's from a cleaning blood. up purpose or from like a doing damage purpose. A visual. That's a, I think that's the only thing that visually
2: when you look at it, it's just kind of like a dawning moment of like, here I go. I got to clean this up. It's more of that's not blood. <laughs> I know. I know that's something you would never expect somebody to say, but I would rather have blood. Um, I could do all- that.
1: It's- Cause I mean, once the body you know, is deceased and it starts to fill with the, the gases uh, and then it they get a lot of fluids from the body that are very, I don't even know what they are, but they're fluids from the body in whatever yes. way that is. So I can't imagine what it, it must be. You
0: swear so it we have a question from our audience here uh, yes. on our Facebook live. So they said to be safe, what should you do if you find out there was a death in a home and you don't know how long they had been there or where exactly they passed in the home? Um, if you find out there's a
2: death in the home, I, I would hope you could speak to your realtor. That's the way that I've always understand things. Um, that was what you were bringing up earlier that I said I was not aware of. I know that, um, I'm a dork and I've, I've thought places were haunted before I've gone online and, and pulled tax records for my own dwellings that I've been in. I've pulled newspaper articles before, um, I haven't found anything, thankfully, but there's, there's ways you can search around on the internet.
0: If there's a death in the home, you don't know how long they'd been there. I guess the listener here is saying, it's not like there's a scene. There's not like blood or there's not a body there. They just found out that they, I guess, bought or renting or whatever a property where there, where there was a death. So we have, we keep all of our paperwork on
2: any bioremediation jobs that we do. Um, most leasing offices or companies, I would think, would be required to keep tax records and paperwork for multiple years. Um, this is a service that has to go in with a receipt. So there's taxes paid on it. There's, there's a paper trail. There, there has to be a paper trail for everything that I do, every home I enter in. And everyone has to keep a paper trail for any subcontractors or workers that they have in their home to prove that the necessary work has been completed. If you can't get that paperwork, that means that what you're thinking—I, in my personal opinion, I would think would be true—that that would be the only reason why someone would ever hide any type of paperwork from you.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's so, so speaking maybe- of the paper trail, Adam, though, in regards to that, then um, you're almost assuming that if you're using a service like Surfpro, is there's got to be a insurance paper trail? So I would think a Clue report would show that.
0: Probably. Yeah. Good point. Even if you
2: don't use insurance, though, anyone that keeps any records of their own, if they, if they paid personally, um, bioremediation is not a very a cheap process. So if that's something you paid for personally out of pocket, I'm willing to bet you're going to hold on to that receipt. Uh,
0: yeah. It's, it's not going to be $500, uh, check. He's asking, could there be unseen biohazard left by the body? You would smell it. You
1: you would smell it for real, even if it's just like...
0: In the bricks down there or whatever? Or, I mean, in the concrete floor of the basement or something? So, in the restoration industry, we get
2: calls for water, fire, mold, biohazard, anything along those lines. I cannot tell you how many times I've gone into homes for strange smells, things that people can't figure out. Sometimes a strange smell may be something that was left in the basement inside of a wall that you know, a food wrapper from when they were finishing the basement, or, or it could be a biohazard situation. It's it's funny to me, and I used to think the same way, honestly. But if someone dies in your home or in in a dwelling, you have to get that professionally clean. There's a reason why services like Serpro were created. There's, it's not safe for for someone that has not been around bloodborne pathogens and other things like that, to be down there with some, some gloves that they got at the dollar store, you know, the yellow ones that go up for harm height that, that all of our moms wore When I was a kid, my mom just went in the basement and poured bleach on everything. I, I, I didn't know if it was blood. I didn't know what it was, but we've moved to a direction where we understand science. We understand the, the dangers of things. And if you don't clean it up, right you can't get away with not cleaning it up. Right. You're going to, you, there's, there's going to be evidence you're dealing with human waste and, and things like that. There's just, there's no good way to hide something like that. Uh, now if somebody cleaned it up and left and and you've moved in and they've been there, when you get that smell, unless you it's something you smelled before you may not even know what it is. Uh, It's something
1: I know that smell. If someone says, I don't know what the strange smell is, it doesn't smell like Yeah, that's maybe there was some kind of something. Can you come like air this thing out? And you're like, You do you walk into a house and are you like, Oh, oh, I got this?
0: That's what our agent said. She said she opened the door, she opened the door, she smelled it, and she said to her client, Step back, like, No, uh -uh, this is you're not going in here. She but knew, that like, was with
1: our realtor; like the body was still there. So I think, like, what the qu of the the question for the um listener was, it you know, assuming maybe some of it, most of it was, or they tried to clean it up. So it, I would assume it would be more faint and not so obvious, like it was for our agents. That it's a
2: distinct I've
1: that situation.
2: There's no way. Around. Even
1: just a little bit left over, you, like the, a hint in the air is much different than, because I've walked into homes and I'm like, I can't pinpoint that smell.
2: It's one of those things that once you realize what that smell is, oh. there's no way you're going to go through the rest of your life without ever knowing what that smell is when you smell it again. It's It's not even something that, I wish it was something you had to train your nose to, because then there would be a way to, undo that in some way, but it's, um, I've, I had an instance one time where I had a family member that sister had passed away in a home. Um, we met her at the home. She handed me the keys to the front door. Uh, I asked her if she wanted to go inside with me and she said, no, the fire department told me it was bad and I don't think I can see it. When I opened the front door, I knew I wasn't going to find anything because there was no smell. I walked straight in the home, I had asked her where the back door was. I walked straight to the home and went to open the sliding glass door because I was assuming that there was going to be something that I run into so that there would be the ability to air it out. And I found nothing. But when we went to walk in the house in the very beginning, I told her right off the bat that there's nothing that smells in here. I don't think we're going to find anything. There was maybe a, a five inch in diameter blood spot from when a family member had hit their head. But... The, the police officers and the firefighters, you know, if it's a, if it's a rookie firefighter that hasn't seen that many in incidences, he, he could tell a family member that it's that bad. If you get a veteran firefighter that's seen a thousand of them, something that may be bad to the family member, the, the firefighter isn't going to think that's bad. You know, every, like I keep saying, every situation's different. But if you walk into a home and there's blood or are been somewhat, you're, you're going to smell it if it wasn't cleaned up properly. And also a UV light. If you don't clean up blood, it's just like CSI. Everything glows. You can see. If somebody cleans something up with bleach, more than likely they're going to smear that blood around a whole, whole, whole bunch whenever they're cleaning it up. So if it's not wiped and cleaned and disinfected properly, all you're going to have is a big glowing area that's just diluted. It's glowing slightly less than the rest of it, but most people aren't trained to do this. So it's, it's very easy to miss things. Uh, things that you would think aren't a big deal at all could end up being the biggest curtains. Curtains in a bedroom are, are my biggest headache in the world because curtains can be cleaned. But you, there's no feasible way to, to get a thin, sheer curtain soaking wet. So if someone passes away by a suicide in a home, they want the room to look exactly the same way it does. And I you can't get blood out of everything. Yeah. You know?
0: So have you ever been involved in like solving a crime or have you had to testify in court or anything like that? No. Uh, we're always
2: trained that if, if I
0: find any evidence
2: at all, I stop everything that I'm doing, tell everyone to leave the room and shut the door and call the police. Uh, we don't disturb, move, touch. If I find the shell casing, anything, we're calling the police right away. Uh, that being said, you, you find notes to loved ones. Um, when we find those, we have to stop everything we're doing and call the police.
0: Um, we want to put so ourselves... That's happened. These kind of things have happened, I guess. Yes.
2: We have to put ourselves in, in a safe place where we, we're not contaminating a scene. We're not making things any worse, that we're only really, truly helping Um, and I, I can't even foresee a court type situation just because the cause of death and the investigations typically done at the morgue. Um, and if they're pulling the body out of a home, they're not going to remove a body if there's any foul play or anything that they still need to figure out at the home. Um, nowadays technology is amazing. Uh, we, the videos that I was trained with were all VHS tapes. Um, I know it sounds so funny, but we take camera phone pictures now of everything. Um, I'm guilty of it. I'll, I'll do a walkthrough and record my whole site um, just to make sure that I know what's going on. We will open up all the drawers to make sure that there's no blood splatter in the drawers. Well, since I opened up all your drawers now, the second I open it up, I'm going to take a picture of the top of it. I'm going to show you where everything was in the drawer so that when I lift everything up, I can prove to you that I put it all back in the right place. That's something that I do as a personal thing that I want everyone to understand that we care about your things, that I'm not coming through here and just ripping things out and throwing things away and doing this and doing that. Because when you're throwing away important things, they have to see that you care about the rest of their things at the same time. I'm going to throw away something that means the world to you, but I can say 90% of your other belongings, please understand that I wouldn't be telling you to throw this away. If you didn't have to.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Kind of a couple more random questions. If you got a couple more minutes, Sam. Yes, sir. I don't think that I'm some sort of criminal, but I had some muriatic acid for, it was for my pool. And I spilled it on the concrete in my garage. And it did that kind of like ate away the concrete. I was wondering, yeah. do you guys ever use that or do you actually have to do the chipping away thing? Hey, look
1: acid. at Adam there being all like. So, mariotic acid
2: has, um, it's, it's a chemical. Uh, we don't use any chemicals. Everything oh. we use, uh, our disinfectant is a natural botanical disinfectant. It's called chimichrobium. Um, you can drink it. I know that sounds crazy, uh, but I I have been face to face with a customer in their home trying to explain to them that I'm here to disinfect things that I know you're afraid of cleaners, but you know your kids are going to be safe. Your this is safe around your pets, and when they don't believe me, I will spray that disinfectant in my mouth. I'm not kidding. Um, yeah, a spray won't kill you. Uh, a drink won't kill you, but it has a peppermint extract in it that is a bug disinfectant as well. Bug spray, I'm sorry. And it doesn't taste good, but it's safe. You, your dog could walk up and, and lick the disinfectant off the ground, and your dog is going to be fine.
0: Your is that kind of the purpose of not using any chemicals? Is that so that people don't, dogs don't lick it or whatever? I mean, it
2: started off because everyone wanted to be green and eco-friendly. I remember getting into the industry and people would ask me all the time if the products I was using was green. And when I was 19 and 20 years old, I've looked at people and been like, no, it's clear. What are you talking about? I wouldn't spray something green on your carpet. <laughs> and then I found out later what they were, what they were talking about. Uh, most products that are chemicals that clean don't clean. They etch off the surface of what you're cleaning. So when you're putting acid on the top of, of the concrete, you're burning through your concrete. When yeah. you use um, even soft scrub, soft scrub has bleach in it. I can't use bleach because soft scrub doesn't get your grout lines cleaner. It just rips off the top coating on them because the underneath coating is a little bit more shiny. Uh, most, <laughs> most of the cleaners and chemicals that have those harsh chemicals in them is to deteriorate the surface because – I mean, it is cleaning, but I can't come in as a paid professional and deteriorate the surface of your floor. I can't come in and use something that I'm going to spray on it that may keep eating through your concrete for the next six months. You know, when you spray muriatic acid, unless you're going to get online and figure out your exact portions to put it in, what your dwell time is, and everything that's going on, when I leave, that muriatic acid can't still be burning through your floor. That because then if your comes over and walks on it with a bare foot, I don't have a job. And and more than that, I hurt your kid. That's what I yep. care about.
1: I think okay. that's really interesting because, I mean, in our head, the first thought is like, what? You don't use chemicals to clean up biohazard? That seems like kind of an oxymoron. They of take the stuff
0: away, though, I guess.
2: I can kill the coronavirus in 10 minutes with the same chemical. Why can't it kill some blood? So
1: what chemical? What? Oh, but it's
2: not a chemical. It's a a disinfectant. It's called concrobium. It's a broad spectrum disinfectant. Uh, most of your companies used to use a product called microban. Uh, microban has taken over in a lot of hospitals. You'll see their seal on top of a lot of things. Concrobium came out. I first saw it probably about three years ago and it was in a clear bottle the first time I saw it and I didn't believe in it. had no clue what it was. Um, But then when I read the science behind it, I met the regional concrobium person. He explained to me everything. And I watched my boss take a shot of it. I started to believe in it. And then when I was at work, I realized that it was my go-to. This is the same thing that if I cut my hand open on a job, I'm pouring it into. This is the same thing that if, if my pet in my home uses the restroom on the floor. This is my go-to, and it is, it's is—it's amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Like I said, when I was a kid, they put bleach on everything, and, and I had no clue that that's why our bacteria got so bad. It's because it learned to fight back against all the things we were putting on it and not killing it. And so I guess it,
1: it's, it's so called true. The generation Can you spell it? Where Bleach is the standard.
2: Yes. Yeah. Cancrobium is C-O-N-C-R-O-B-I-U-M
0: microbium mold control it says
2: the mold there's a mold control and a broad spectrum disinfectant there's two different types we actually carry both of them as well
1: is it something you can get over the counter i mean i use botanicals to clean like in the house but i've also stepped it up and now you yeah you can get a gallon
0: and, like, on, like, on amazon for fifty bucks
1: it's a about a gallon 50, of the broad spectrum
2: yeah it's about fifty to fifty five dollars i know you can get it locally at um, there's a store called john Don. John Don's your major supplier for most of your restoration companies in the St. Louis area. Um, they're also who we take a lot of our training classes with, um, but they sell everything. It's it's I'm like a kid in a toy store when I go in there. It's unbelievable the place and, and the things that they well, I'm to
1: have to check out this store.
0: It's, it's nice.
1: Yeah. Sanitizer. I'm just going to go over there and get me some...
0: Uh, Concrobium. Some Concrobium. Concrobium. yeah. You well, can I know get, we get anything our- there. John John, it's called. John Don J O N D O N. John Don, okay. Yes. So we got to start wrapping it up here. I know you're a busy guy, but if you don't mind, can I ask you just like one or two more questions? Yeah. Yes. Sir. One of the things I've noticed, I have a house that we I'm representing the buyers. We put under contract. They're going to close in you know four four weeks or so, and they're really concerned. You know, we've noticed different types of people handling COVID kind of the way they handle their lives differently. And so one of the things that they're wanting to do before they move in is have the place, like have the new house, like COVID cleaned, you know? And, and I guess since they're going to use movers to move their stuff, then they might want to have their stuff then COVID cleaned because the, you know, the movers have touched it. So are you guys getting involved in any sort of COVID cleaning or anything like that?
2: Yes. Um, I stepped into this role actually on the first of the year as business development. And unfortunately, I did not think that this COVID thing was coming as quickly as it was. Um, What we've been doing for the past month and a half is we're the ones on Facebook and Twitter that are disinfecting for fire departments, police departments, ambulances, fire trucks. We've done over 2,000 police vehicles. We've done over 100 firehouses, we've done over 100 police stations. Um, We were worried about our first responders. They're our best friends. Uh, We have to have them. They have to put out fires in order for me to fix fires. They have to to stop leaks and things before we can get in there and do things as far as sprinkler heads. Um, We've just moved into businesses now. Uh, With the restaurants opening in the area, anything under 10,000 square feet, I've actually been given the green light to handle myself. Um, me and the other people from our marketing side will come out in Tyvek suits and fully fog everything and wipe all your touch points. If you were planning on moving your home, if it was me, the process or the way I would do it would be pay those movers. If you want to have them pack up all your stuff and move all your stuff, get everything in the home, get everybody out and then get it disinfected and move your family. in. um, you don't want to get it disinfected until everything's all moved in in place. If you even wanted to be safer, have have your couple family members or your housewarming thing before you get disinfected. The big thing about any disinfection services is I can disinfect anything that's happened before me. But when you bring a new person into the building, you're bringing a new factor in. So I can't guarantee that when John or Joe or Larry walks in the door to come see your place, they're not bringing something new in. So if you know you're going to have some people over, you know that you want to entertain and housewarm or or do whatever. Do it in a safe, social distancing. Do it with a mask on, and then when you're ready to start your life with your family in your new home, disinfect
0: your home, please. Yeah. It's- so, are you guys like coming in and wiping? You know, unpacking a box and wiping the thing and putting it on the shelf? Or are you saying you're coming in with like a fog or something? So we can come in with a fog and wipe. Uh, the the way
2: we've been doing it is so we would fog the main areas, fog over the top of anything, and then as a as an employee walks through a home, everything that they think that they would touch or that they think people touch are all those common places like six feet up in the air on the hallway around a turn where you put your hand wherever you're going to make a corner, you know, things like that are things we a wiping. Uh, doing the first responders vehicles was the healthiest and best thing I think for our company to ever do because it let us really look at a bunch of different things and try to figure out what what even is a touch point. What, what are you even touching inside of a car? You know, or are you touching your blinkers? Are you touching your cup holders? Are you touching this? Every ambulance that I got into had a different cabinet, a different way to open up a drawer, a different thing for you to be intrigued with that, that you would want to know what it is. So that's why you have to have people like me and people in our industry that do that is because I'm excited. You saw me just smile talking about it is if I can find those places so that you don't have to find those places, then that's my whole purpose of being. That's what's awesome about this is if I can come in and clean everything and you don't get sick, I did it. You know? We did I love it
0: together. I might need to hire you guys for my car because I noticed there seems to be like barbecue sauce and everything from when I went to some drive. Oh, I've been
1: in your car, Adam. It's uh, I don't it's I think it's a challenge for Surf Pro. I
0: thought you okay. were gonna put <laughs> How can the listeners contact you? How can anybody get a hold of you?
2: So I am sort of pro of Northwest St. Louis County. Uh, my direct phone number is 314-461-2020. Now I'm working from home and I'm in marketing. That being said, I have my phone on me 24 hours a day. I would prefer to answer any calls during business hours. But if, you, if anybody out there has a question, call me. No question is
0: a question.
2: There's an emergency. Or, hi, Not, or is there just like a regular right.
0: ServPro number you want them to call, or is that the best That's number they my call? cell
2: phone number. You can also contact our business. Um, they're all Googleable as ServPro of Oakville, Melville, Afton, Webster Groves, Clayton ladue and Northwest St. Louis County. The direct phone number is 314 846 0600. I just always give out my cell phone number because um, when you call the office after hours, it's typically for emergency situations. It's it's someone at home on call that's going to respond to a home within an hour to help out. If you just have a question or something that's been bugging you or eating you up, call me. Because I'm working from home. Um, I'm reaching out to businesses and asking them if we can come help them. And if I can't help a business, I, I can help a human then. If, if somebody's uneasy or uncomfortable or needs the peace of mind, I also being involved in this, I know where to find things on the internet. I, I know websites or CDC or, you know, OSHA regulations or any of those things. So if you ever have a dispute or you need some concrete evidence, we can usually lead you in the right direction. If you need a subcontractor, if you had your floor ripped up or anything, um, I've been doing this a while. I I grew up in St. Louis. I've been in the industry for six years. I was in construction for four before that. Uh, I'm a hometown guy and and we know our local guys. We know our family businesses and, you know, the people that we really do need to be helping out the most during this pandemic. We we need to help our local things.
0: Well, Sam, would you say it's uh, okay for me to say that? I hope that I never have to call you, but if I do, I know I'll be in good hands.
2: I always tell people I'm a good person and know in a bad situation. I, I, okay.
0: I'm here. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Okay. I like that. I'll, I buy that.
0: Yes. Any final questions for Mr. Sam, Shannon, or anything else you want to say, Sam?
1: No. Um, I mean, this has been great. I, we really appreciate your time. This is yeah. a crazy subject, but.
2: Don't watch too much ID.
1: Oh, I, I will, though. I do. I love it.
2: Just don't <laughs> overthink it because then when you run into the situation, you'll spend an hour trying to find evidence that isn't even there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. I certainly appreciate it. Um, for anybody who's listening that has questions, comments, reach out to us via podcast at hermanlondon.com ideas for future episodes, whatever we'd love to hear from you. And uh, it was a call for all your real estate needs, right, Shannon?
1: Yes, absolutely. We appreciate it.
0: And give Sam a call for all your cleaning and restoration needs. Take uh, care. Thank you. Bye bye. Take care.